Good morning and welcome to episode 13 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. Today's guest is Scott Santoro from Worksite in Manhattan, New York. Man, I love New York. Just, I love it. It's awesome. Scott is also the author of Guide to Graphic Design, which is a design textbook, and he is a teacher at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. Guy's got a lot on his plate. I really enjoyed my conversation with Scott. He had some great stories to share, and I know you're going to dig this one. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Quickie Podcast. Today, I am chatting with Scott Santoro from WorkSite. That's Work, S-I-G-H-T, from New York. How are you, Scott? I am good. Thanks, Dave. Awesome. That's great. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, well, I have a design studio in the East Village of Manhattan, mm-hmm. and I am also a teacher, uh, a tenured teacher, who teaches two classes a week at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. Wow. Uh, I'm also a dad to two teenage sons uh, and the author of a textbook that I now use in my classes called Guide to Graphic Design. Oh, very cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's great. So you have a little bit of a full plate, you could say. Yeah, I, I feel like I've studied design for decades and, you know, after a while it starts to pay off. That's awesome. Great to hear. So what was your childhood like then? And, and do you feel that you had a creative childhood? What made it creative? Uh, well, I, I grew up in a very blue-collar city in a blue-collar household. Um, my, my father, my uncles, my cousins, they were all plumbers. And I was an apprentice plumber uh, and uh, slated to go to a trade school for high school, which meant that I wouldn't be uh, able to apply to college mm-hmm. if I went to this trade school. And my parents said, we don't want you to go to the trade school. Mm-hmm. We want you to go to a regular high school so you can go to college. And we want you to go to college. And I said, well, as I was going through this high school, you know, they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I like arts. And so I could go to art school. And they said, okay, <laughs> without even knowing what that meant. Yeah. I mean, they didn't realize that. It could have meant that I was, uh, I would be on the dole for the, with them for uh, the rest of my life if they didn't <laughs> But it's pretty great. And then I found graphic design. Yeah. So yeah. Do you, is there a, a moment that you feel pointed you in the direction of becoming a designer? Uh, you know, I had a cousin uh, who, uh, he, he married my cousin, and uh, his name was Tony Ferrelli. And he worked as a commercial artist back then, as it was called. And I remember him looking at my work, and he bought me a set of color markers uh, he and his his wife Julie for a, like a birthday present, and I just really got into them, and I made lots of drawings with them when I was probably nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And he uh, so he worked as a commercial artist, and I remember explaining something to me about 
a project he was working on for Wink Soda. Okay. And he said that it was so exciting for him to help name it. And they were in a meeting. He was probably like 24 years old. Yeah. And then they had to design the labels and come up with ideas. And he was very excited. And I don't think anybody ever explained something to me about what they did where they were excited about it. Mm-hmm. Like probably the first person that ever did that where he was excited about something. And I realized, oh, that's, you know, that's something that I could, I could do. I mean, it was kind of caught in my brain. I didn't really know what graphic design was or commercial art was, but yeah. when I got into school, I, I, when I got into art school, I realized what that was. And it was possibly because of him. What a great moment. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So take us back to when you first started noticing design in the wild, uh, out in the world. What did you start seeing? Well, I mean, it simultaneously with me being, you know, thinking of myself as an artist. I, I remember my mom showed me how to draw a nose, and it was just like a diagonal line, and then it cut across. And you know, that in my grammar school made me like a class artist because I could draw characters and draw that nose. And you know, the teachers, the nuns would pat me on the head and say, "Oh, wow, this is really good. Look, everyone, look what Scott did." So that began my my interest in art per se. And you know, I would buy um, Mad magazines off the yeah. shelf while waiting for my mom at the grocery store. And Mad magazine, you know, I'd actually draw the covers. And but that was a critical magazine on the culture. Yeah, and I think that also pushed me into the applied arts because graphic design is. I'm being paid to keep my finger on the pulse of culture and to understand the signs and things that are going on in the world, especially in the culture. Um, so Mad Magazine was the first uh, chance I got to see somebody critically looking at things in movies, in films, in the world, in packaging. Um, and the other thing was I remember buying as a kid these wacky pack cards. Um, <laughs> okay. and, I, uh, and they, you know, they'd make these, these goofy cards I have one actually like around um, still just for laughs, but this, this one is for, you know, Lipton soup and it was like a little card, but it looked like the package. And it said, if you drink this hot soup, you'll get your lip torn. So instead of Lipton, it was lip torn and it said <laughs> lava soup, eight deadly servings. And to me, you know, I would collect these cards. And so this was me, you know, collecting packaging, but from a critical point of view, um, yeah. Which was important. It's important to be critical. That's why I went to college, to be a critical thinker. Do you have that card right there? I do, yeah. Oh, hold that up. I want to see that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. They're called Wacky Packs. You people so listening to the podcast. To to... Yeah. That's cool. My cards in Mad Magazine are pretty, pretty, and my cousin, Tony, are probably why I'm a designer today. I, I would say it's why I'm a, des- a designer today. Mm-hmm. So then what is something you wish you knew when you first started out? Um, well, I, I wish I knew that I shouldn't get so hung up on uh, design solutions being completely understood 100% by someone. Yeah. You know, I filled in metaphors and signs and this meant that. And, you know, I, I thought I had a full understanding and, you know, I try to communicate and convey information through these signs. But what happens is uh, today you know, I'll understand what signs to use to convey an idea. Mm-hmm. But back then when I did, I'd get upset if everyone didn't understand what the hell I was talking about. So even my, you know, if my mom looked at it and said, I don't understand this. Why, why this image with this, you know, mashed together? Yeah. And I say, mom, because it's, 
blah, blah, blah. Don't you understand? <laughs> I get very upset. And I, I tried to convey that th to clients. And uh, But today, I think, um, you know, it, a client said to me once a great story. He said um, uh, to his boss, because his boss was questioning a number of things that I put into uh, a design that I made, a, a, a mini poster uh, for their furniture company. And, uh, you know, I had signs and colors and, and imagery. And uh, his, this person, Dan's boss, started asking, well, I don't understand. What is this? Why did he put this? Why that color? Why that typeface? Uh, I mean, I like it, but blah, blah, blah. And Dan said, uh, you know, Jack, how much do you have to get to get it? And I, I realized, yeah, it's there's a certain level of just formal understanding of the piece. The communication gets conveyed. I so I usually try to have an idea in everything I do. But if everyone doesn't get it, it's okay. It's a very freeing kind of uh, attitude to have today. Whereas before, I, I just thought if everyone doesn't understand it, it's failed. And no, there are layers of understanding. So some people get it, some people don't. Usually my design friends get it. Mm -hmm. The people I'm kind of designing for in my head, really, but in the end, yeah, if it conveys the information, the job is kind of done. If the idea gets conveyed properly with personality, hey, it's even better. Mm -hmm. But I'm relieved of this idea of conveying 100% because you can't do great. it. Yeah, I like that one. So, yeah, it's impossible to do, but to it's have, okay yeah, so to have everybody understand to the same level. Yeah, and it frees designers to say, okay, you know, I'm going to try my best to convey it, but if they don't get it, okay, you know, I tried. <laughs> well said. Uh, what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Either something you've seen or something you've been a part of? Um, uh, a piece of, uh, well, you know, I, I, I could say that as a book, uh, I still, you know, I, I still look at Paul Rand, believe it or not, who I knew, who I had for teachers a week. And when I look at that book, which I bring into my classes at Pratt, Thoughts on Design, I look at that book and I think that's probably the most influential piece of writing and design that I've ever seen. I mean, the book is filled with his work, but every time I read it, I find something new in it. And I... Um, I realized that this person that wrote this book in 1957 at something like 29 years old or 30 years old, um, it was brilliant. Um, I think he was married to a writer, so I think she helped. <laughs> but uh, you know, he talks about the beautiful and the useful and uh, how design has a utilitarian function, but also a formal function to make things look good out there in the world. And mm. So whenever I bring it in and I open up a page and read something out, out of it, I, it, I tell them it took me 30 years to understand what that book was really about and the, the value of that book. Because I remember reading it as a student and, okay, it made an influence on me. I thought it was really great. It made me contact him and send my paper that I wrote in design school to him, which he responded to, which I have his letter hung on my wall. Oh, that's my, cool. Still, all, the, all those years. But, um, but you know, it's a... Uh, he, he's an important influence to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you have a, a project or a particular design uh, also that has been inspiring in your career? Uh, I, I remember seeing uh, Milton Glaser's work when I was very young and uh, some ads that he had done. And there was one for Sony where the, the lines of music 
were re- the, the musical notes um, were replaced by um, landscape landscape images and birds, and it was so beautifully illustrated um, that I, I realized, oh, look at that! There's he's replaced the notes with images and landscapes, but within the you know the the lines of musical you know in, in information mm-hmm. and. I think it was the first time I, I realized, oh, there could be like this concept in design. Um, that's probably, you know, early on, that's probably a very influential piece to me because I, I think of myself as a con- conceptual designer. So what was, that, was what was the artist's name? Uh, Milton Glaser. Milton Glaser. He did the, he did the uh, I Love New York logo. Uh, he's an illustrator and a designer. Um, I think it was the first person to be awarded like a medal by the uh, Medal of Honor by the White uh, White House for his work in the design field, something like that. Uh, very influential. Wow. So, do you? I want to talk about um, social media. Has social media sure. changed graphic design or the process of design? Uh, do you feel that it's beneficial or harmful? Um, it, it's, well, our, our curriculum has completely uh, been reorganized because of social media and innovative disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, for example, we used to teach five different sections, um, five different levels of typography. Yeah. Now we teach one large class mm-hmm. in the four years for typography. <laughs> um, it's not that we're trying to throw out <laughs> throw out 500 years of type. It's just that there are so many other things that people need to learn mm-hmm. to propel themselves for the next 5, 10, 15 years in the field that we're not even sure what's going to happen, that we need to teach them about motion design, about uh, things like augmented reality. Yeah. We have projects where they give them uh, problems that they had to solve through you know, taking a shot of a scene and then allowing that scene to look like you're actually walking in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's augmented reality uh, through uh, After Effects. Um, but our, yeah, our curriculum has been completely rethought, you know, because of all the disruptions happening in technology. And social media is one of them. Mm-hmm. It's affected, for example, um, dating. You know, it's like it's completely re dating has to completely disrupted how people date. Yeah. You know, you don't you walk up to somebody in a bar now and they'll look at you like, what are you doing? <laughs> you must be a creep. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why did you go through a dating app? You know, and the same with it's going to come or driverless cars are going to co- totally disrupt the field. And uh, cameras were totally disrupted and the f- uh, film uh, for cameras by phones. And, you know, it's just so it's disrupting our field, too. Um we're teaching students how to uh, understand um, what typefaces could mean to someone on the screen. Um, um, aspects like that. That um, So there's a lot of research involved in the programs that we teach. Um, I used to give um, a project, and, and even, even in my own case for projects that I take on with clients, I'll design, I'll tell them, well, I'll design your logo and your brochure and your business card and stationery. And, you know, but now it's, it's, there's so many other things I have to design for them that actually social media has expanded what I do. So I'll design 
outside of design all the social media, I'll find a, a name that has to go across all that social media. So I'll get involved in naming as well, you know, to find that, that, that opening. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's inevitable. I, I can't say it's bad or good. It's just, it's not the way it used to be in terms of, uh, it, for me, in terms of teaching, um, I don't get to spend like lots of different, uh, projects involving like the fine art of typography i have to get that to them very fast so i can move on to other things about mm. type about how it moves how it can be projected about different mediums that it could be presented through um and students have to learn all that very and, and, interesting so it's not really you wouldn't say it's beneficial or harmful it just is it just is yeah there's <laughs> nothing you can do about it it just is it's here and it's yeah. you know It'll keep changing. For sure. Yeah, no, it's going to be like in 10, 15 years, you know, yeah, for yeah. designers. So who is a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? Um, you know, they're, they're just like everybody else. I, um, I tend to look at the, um, you know, the, the big names in design, like Stefan Sagmeister, before him was uh, David Carson. You know, they. Um, I want them to be models for me to to help drive the field. Um, David Carson um, you know, changed the way we look at the vernacular um, and legibility. Um, uh, David Carson, you could say, was inspired by Ed Fella, you know, who was doing that kind of stuff with. Um, doodles and bringing, you know, the um, uh, opening the territory for design and bringing um, the outsider, you know, into the field and mm -hmm. making see, uh, you know, getting everything kind of exactly wrong with type and with um, elements included in his work. Um, so he's another person that I absolutely love. Um, I actually went to, to grad school. I, I got to overlap years with that fella. Um, who is fabulous, knowledgeable, um, but even Stefan Sackmeister, I, you know, I was telling students, um, uh, and even I've told clients this too, that, you know, design can be very passionate. And as an example, Stefan came to Cranbrook years after I graduated grad school mm -hmm. out by Detroit. And he, uh, to announce his visit, he took a thin, his assistant took a thin exacto blade and cut the announcement into his chest. So he's pictured holding a box of band-aids in this strange, you know, dramatic lighting, but they're like little bits of, you know, his, his skin is red. You can see that there's a, the cut marks are there that the blood, the red blood is inside of each of the letter forms. Mm -hmm. And being able to do that explained how passionate somebody could be about design. Like that's why he did it. It's like, it's cool that he found a way to make interesting typography out of thin cuts in his own body, which he said healed the next day. It wasn't, he realized if his assistant could do that, that the cuts healed, but he was willing to do that to show how passionate he was about graphic design. Wow. I had never, I had never heard of that. I have to look that up right away here. You'll find it. You'll see if you type, yeah. if you, image Stefan Sagmeister's work you'll see that image and yeah it's cool looking but there's a concept behind it and the, the concept is passion yeah. yeah so how can design make a difference in people's lives you know I, I um 
I had a professor myself uh, in undergrad, and he wrote this beautiful um, paragraph that he's that he said at commencement, and I I printed it in on the last page of my textbook, and I'll, I'll just read it to you because I have it. Everything is on my shelf nearby, but <laughs> I really loved it, and it, it is the last the last page of the of a 360 page textbook, yeah. and. He said, um, well, the title that he gave it was Never Give Up, Never Give In. And he gave it at a commencement speech for the graduating class of Pratt Institute in, I think, 2004. Mm -hmm. uh, let me just read it to you because I just love it. Um, he said, uh, that small child with the scissors and colored paper sitting in the middle of the parental living room rug, making shapes out of beautiful colors for his or her own joy, not for money, not for critical acclaim, that child is you. So he's given this to the students that have just graduated, that are graduating. Yeah. That child is you. You have the opportunity to create what never was. Forget about revolutionizing the world. Work for the joy of working, and without intending to, you will help to change your corner of the world. Wow. Yeah. That is so true. Powerful statement. Powerful. I mean, I could see myself sitting on that living room rug making, I remember I made a crayon drawing when I, it was, I was probably three years old and I still remember it. I had a box of crayons and I made this beautiful drawing on this tightly woven rug. Mm -hmm. And my mom came running over to me and like yelling, what are you doing? You know, and I, I was so upset because uh, I made this beautiful picture for you. I don't understand. Like I remember vividly questioning why she was yelling after I made this beautiful drawing for her. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't doing it for money. I was just doing it because I love to make work. Yeah. So I, I want to keep that, you know, I love that. I love that statement because, um, yeah, we can't change the world, but we can change our piece of it. And Definitely. if that means by conveying information, making something beautiful to look at, um, organizing something as a map or something that people can find useful, then, we're helping the world. Well said. Take us to a design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. And what was that like? Um, I did this, uh, what I consider a beautiful mark for um, a college um, basketball team. Mm -hmm. They wanted the logo. They told me what they liked. Uh, the director told me that the, he liked the Patriots logo, for example. And, and if I could do something like that and take them out of this, you know, high school looking logo and bring it up to college level. And I, I did. And uh, it came out, I think, just great. You know, the yeah. translation of this panther. And um, and they, they, they didn't use it. And I kept asking why. And the, he just kept beating around the bush. And, um, and I... I later found out is because he realized how many things he would have to change that he didn't have a budget for. Like, like the, the illustration on the basketball court, uh, the banners, the stationery, um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the uh, old logo painted in a giant hallway wall. And I realized that that's why he didn't consider the fact that if I do a new mark for him, that he would have to change everything. And that budget was too high. Mm -hmm. So, 
I just use it. It's on my website. You know? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I, I, I love looking at it because I, I realize how, you know, it's a graphic translation of a panther and complete with scratch marks and typography. And it's sad that it didn't get used. That's the only thing because it would have helped the team, I think, to have something that they're proud of instead of something that looks crappy. So the tactile sort of um, practical lesson in that for, you know, a customer or somebody who's paying for design you know, really think of the full process and what what it all entails. It's not just getting a new logo that looks nice. There's a lot of pieces that circle around that. Yeah, I know. I mean, they pay me $2,000 to do it, which was, I felt like it was undercharged because I really worked a lot. I showed them the whole process going through it, mm-hmm. you know, how I arrived, where I found an image of a panther, how I would translate it, all of that. And he was, he was on board with it. But then he just said, I can't use it. I'm sorry. And he kept saying, well, maybe it could be more at an angle or maybe the panther could be coming out at you. And I thought, well, I mean, I explained what, you know, that's not, if you look at most logos for teams, including the Patriots logo, football team, you know, it's, it's more graphic. It's not, it's a sign. It's not an illustration. I'm not an mm-hmm. illustration. I can't really do that. And I don't want to do that. But mm-hmm. He was just beating around the bush. It was really that he didn't have the budget. I was told that by somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) So then what's a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of? Um, It could be a recent project I did. I completed it about six months ago, and it was to brand a neighborhood. So New York City decided that they would uh, create a financial uh, community in the Bronx and it's the West Bronx and they, they provided month funds to a community center that was in charge of basically branding the West Bronx as a financial district. And, uh, which meant that, you know, all the businesses could, uh, organize themselves and promote themselves through this new brand. Um, but they didn't really have a name. Mm -hmm. They didn't, consider the, the website that they needed, the social media. Um, I designed a logo that, well, they said they wanted it colorful. Um, they wanted it descriptive. Um, I designed a, a letter B that's got a map, a very abstract map of the main streets and avenues in this district mm-hmm. uh, for, and named it, <laughs> actually named it for them, BJT Bronx. And uh, they, they, we produced um, street banners. Uh, I had a bid against other designers for this project. And I think I won the bid because I told them that their RFP didn't include social media. And in the end, this is really a social media project. I mean, yeah, I can design their logo. I can design uh, the template for a newsletter. I can design like the 30 street banners they wanted. Yeah. But in the end, the social, the so, if they don't have their social media together, then nobody, you know, anybody, you know, who has a phone is going to want to see who they are, where they are, you know, uh, find them as as on a Facebook page, uh, follow them on Instagram, add to Instagram, uh, you know, um, uh, pages that we created. So I think I want it because they didn't consider that. They never considered that. It's not really a, it's a social media project as much as it was a branding project for this district. And, and I won the bid and they were very happy. I mean, I, 
I went to the opening uh, where they announced the logo and there was yeah. media there and they, it was projected on a local television station and they had like a big sheet over the banner and then and the captain of the police precinct nearby was there and they, they unveiled it and everybody cheered and clapped and, and I got to stand on the sidelines thinking, you know, oh yeah, I did that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Definitely I, a feather in the cap. Yeah, I think I helped them. I, it's a feather in my cap because I think I helped this you know, underserved community, yeah. um, try to get on board with the rest of the city and you know, driving people there. Wow. So I've got two more last quick questions for you. One is, uh, one that you probably dish a lot out, uh, uh you know, being a teacher, uh, yeah. what piece of advice would you offer to new design grads looking to make their mark in the industry? Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't really, you know, I, I tell students that, um, well, obviously they have to stay curious. Um, they can bring their backstory into the work. They mm -hmm. can, like I did. Uh, I made my company Worksite because, um, like I said, I was apprenticed to be a plumber. But I made my company Worksite as an homage back to my family trade. And I collect tools. I let that influence how my work looks. I bring a I, you could say I bring a tough sensibility to the things and everydayness to the work I do because of that, that thing about like I'm a blue collar person in a white collar profession. Yeah. And I always like to ask students, what do you know? Well, how can you abstract that and bring that into your work to make your work expand outwards instead of it being just design about design? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if that means that you were uh, a lifeguard, uh, or you worked in an emergency room, or you worked as a, a you know bagger in a grocery shop, yeah, what does that mean? Like, how how can you make that into a strength? Um, how do you? Ab but you have to ab abstract it down mm -hmm. and think of that as you know some edge that you have, something that you can bring, something that you know well um, to to what you do today. And so, yeah, in that sense, I could say, well, stay curious, you know, go to art museums and fold that into your work, let that affect you. But I think a bigger, um, for me, a bigger, more important aspect of driving someone to, you know, to stay in the profession, to study as a, to study graphic design, that they have to connect it to their personal lives somehow. Uh, so that they could say, yeah, I, I know this well, or this is what my family did. And that's a strength for me. You know, I mean, I want them to say that's a strength for me mm -hmm. when I work. You know, I, I had you know students who are in the restaurant business and they're they worked as a waiter and, and they it's all about service and uh, making the client uh, happy and, and connecting with them and providing them with something that they could that they want to eat. You know, um, yeah. you know, and that could be abstracted down because now they're doing graphic design. And I say, well, that's perfect because you know all about that. You can bring that as a strength to what you do. Yeah. Well, but, you know, everybody has a backstory. I like that. Bringing that backstory even forward. Even if they don't, they can create a myth about it to mm -hmm. say, yeah, that was really important what I did. That's what I learned. That's a skill. And now I can bring it to design. It, you know, in terms of dealing with clients or solving problems. Yeah. There's a way. Okay. All right. What is one design product, tool, website, or even a community that you could not live without? Uh, well, first of all, I love making logos. I'm really good at it. 
it's uh, usually if a client says, I, I, need, I need a website or I need a brochure or something, I'll say, do you have any kind of visual identifier that explains who you are that says this is me? And so I like starting there. Um, I love um, logolounge.com. Okay. They're a, a site that I've um, uh, added to, that I've um, been interviewed for. Um, I always send students to that site. Um, uh, and possibly uh, just connected to logos as well. You know, the Noun Project, that's another great site. I don't know if people know about that, but it's, oh, it's, it's a new one to me. Yeah, it's great to, um, you know, to become a member for 20 bucks a year or something and to add to and then access vectors of iconography so that if you're working on something you need, you know, an image of a fork and you don't want to start from zero in drawing that fork, you can look at both of these sites just to see how a fork or a hand was interpreted a thousand different ways. You know, in terms of the noun project, it's through crowdsourcing. Mm -hmm. So people throw vectors of, you know, 500 hands or 500, you know, forks on the site. So you're not working in a vacuum. It's impossible for designers to get the kinds of things done in time and think that they're just going to start at zero. They mm -hmm. have to research and not work in a vacuum. Well said. I like that. Scott, that's all the questions I have for you. Hang on the line just for a second after this. but I. All right, this is your host Dave hopping back on at the end here. Thank you so much for listening and joining us on the Quickie Podcast today. Man, what a great interview. I loved hearing from Scott, especially about the wacky pack cards, his story about the you know the West Bronx financial district stuff. Man, awesome dude. Um thank you for joining us again. Have a great day.